I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. G'day and welcome to The Call. 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is Friday the 17th of November. I'm Andrew Gagan. Great to have you with us. And our experts on the show today, Adam Dawes from Shoreham Partners and Mark Gardner from MPC Markets. Welcome, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Hope you're well as Absolutely. we uh, get into the Friday, of course. And I thought we'd actually start with a conversation about retail because clearly we've had the big retailers out of the States reporting this week. Yes. Uh, our stock of the day is going to be retailers. So interested then to get your view on where we're at given how the economy is traveling maybe a different story here given perhaps we're traveling about six months behind mm. the states at this mm. point but you know for instance we had walmart out last night um numbers have been good out of the u.s though well i mean they? guidance was reasonable yeah. but it has warned about obviously softening just as far as the consumer's concerned um so Adam, let's start with you then yeah Locally, at least, what are you seeing with retail? Well, obviously, it, it's a uh, it's a contrarian trade at the moment because everybody knows that the the you know higher interest rates, uh, cost of living, inflation, all of these kinds of things are really biting into people's pockets. And hence, are you able to go out and buy those new pair of shoes that you want, or you know those kinds of things? So, I think locally, it's it's a, it's a contrarian trade. You have to be going there with your eyes wide open that we're going to see these knee-jerk reactions that's what we saw for accent today uh, that knee-jerk reaction on the downside to somewhat um, been a little bit tough but overall i think the market is moving in within that stride and if you look sort of six months ahead maybe even 12 months ahead probably not a bad buying opportunity it's like the REITs the REITs are starting to catch a little bit of a bid now as interest rates potentially are going to stop in the us or even come down early next year who yeah so i think overall but inflation was the biggest thing that was biting on accents result but i think you said mark there wasn't wasn't much in that result at all we spent a good 20 minutes going through the numbers having seen the market reaction i think it was down 13 percent initially yeah. and we just couldn't really work out what warranted a 13 percent sell down to be um well, we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment but but more broadly when you're looking at retail at the moment. I mean, what sort of trends are you observing? We know the pain that that, um, households are under and therefore discretionary. Mm. Um, But is that likely to hold up? I mean, do you agree with Adam, just as far as perhaps Um, potentially a buying opportunity? We've got some really good quality, well, super high quality retailers in Australia. Um, And look, we had Walmart dropped off about 7% last night. Um, The outlook wasn't too bad, yet the results were a little bit under. and I think retail sales last night showed a drop in um, discretionary spending, automobiles and hobbies and things like that. And um, and if you look at all the numbers over the course of the week this week, every single like we rejoiced inflation being lower and the market rallied. But mm. I think that you know bad news is good news only lasts for so long because we've had four fig- four or five figures this week which have all been under expectation and if they start to stack up over time well and that and you know that economic softening starts to become a, a really clear then you know we'll probably see the retailers dip, uh, dip a little bit um, mm. 
But, it's, but um, I mean, I had a look at Costco earlier in the week. It's just, I'm so surprised by how, what a great quality business it was. Um, yeah. Maybe they're shifting down, uh, people are shifting down the scale and just being a little bit smarter with their purchases and, um, you know, doing bulk. And we, uh, we got a big family, so we, we Costco's pretty handy for us. Um, so, uh, so you, the likes of maybe, say, West Farmers in Australia with those lower uh, budget brands like Kmart, um, Office works and things like that, which are competing directly with the schools for the stationary orders and things now as well. Mm. Um, and you're getting government grants and things uh, or subsidies for that stuff. I think that they, they maybe hold up pretty well and in a diversified, and it's a bit more of a diversified company in Bunnings as well. So, um, but really niche stuff with um, where the margins can get compressed might be just a little bit unpopular. It might be pretty unfair that they, that mm. they get sold off. Um, but people might just want out because they're a little bit uncertain. We have seen a bit of um, uh, relief just as far as households, certainly in the States, are concerned because those um, those petrol prices mm. come off quite dramatically, mm. haven't they? I don't know that it's really translated here, but but clearly that is uh, that is some relief. So yeah. see with the everyone's, call, everyone's calling for the government to step in and, you know, take, take the pain from the petrol pump, but that's just inflationary. Like, mm. it, it just, they just can't do it. So we're just going to sort of have to tough this out. Mm. All right, well, let's um, take a look. The first five stocks we're going to look at um, today, Ramsey Healthcare, uh, British Shares Energy Transition Metals ETF, XMET, IPD, High Peak Royalties, and BHP. So our stock of the day, well, we've already uh, spoken of it, given uh, our discussion there on retail, is Accent Group. It shares, well, they initially fell about 12% out of the gate there uh, earlier this morning, uh, putting on track for its worst day in one and a half years, in fact, on soft um Financial year start. It's reported that for the first 19 weeks of FY24, uh, total group owned sales were down, uh, sorry, up 2.1%, but like for like sales were down 2% for that period. The group opened some 80 new stores this year and expects to open 70 new more stores in the first half of 2024. So it is ambitious. It is, of course, it's one of the country's largest um, shoe retailers. Um, brands such as Athletes Foot, Glue, and so on. So, Mark, then what is your take on Accent? Um, I think if you take the macro picture out of it, I think it was extraordinarily harshly done by. I mean, a small drop in sales, realistically. The cost of doing business, which I sort of translated to net margin, because um, they, they don't quite a net margin figure, um, was was okay. Like, wasn't mm. it was pretty in line with what they what they expected anyway. Um, and they've got two smaller brands, which I think they've had it's a couple of f- smaller failing brands, which they've just run, um, they've just replaced in those, and they've got that flexibility to be able to go and replace an underperforming brand with you know uh, it was Argan Hocker, um, which you know uh, as in Ugg Boots, um, and they've got strong momentum, so they've just shifted, you know they, they've got the ability to go and shift those performing brands into those underperforming stores, etc. Mm-hmm. So. I, I mean, I wouldn't. If you're holding it, I wouldn't be particularly worried. It's a PE of 12. It's it yields about nine. That's obviously backward looking, um, and they've had a slightly slower start to the um, the first 19 weeks. Um, but I, look, I don't think you need to necessarily worry too much about it. I think their digital sales um, were slightly down, but the um, the value of those sales was up about 16%. So if they're starting to sell 
you know, bigger, um, you know, more larger packet sizes, um, then yeah, maybe that goes a bit of the way to, uh, fi- you know, fixing up that margin issue. So um, they've been an impressive company for for two or three years. Definitely. I think your return on equity is outstanding. So look, hold if you've got it. Um, if you bring it, and it really depends on your macro view and. I was writing the morning report this morning and it's just it looks like different sectors at the moment are just completely cherry picking their own mm. macro view like oil got dumped because of weakness in Asia iron ore is rallying because of optimism in Asia it's just the market's not particularly transparent at the moment and all uh, marching to the same beat so mm. if you take the if you take out the macro view I think this is harshly done by you'd probably be buying it um, if you're worried about economic weakness going forward I'd just wait I would I would say so um, I guess it's a hold I suppose yep okay you don't sound convinced but you take it as a hold <laughs> I suppose uh, <laughs> Adam I suppose you're right too. Uh, I think it's a hold as well. I think probably there's a couple of things. Store rollout, you know, for these guys, uh, 70 stores. That's pretty impressive. It is big, isn't it? You know, that is big. Um, And then doing another 80 stores in the first half as well. Mm. I mean, all about retailers is about that store rollout. You've got to continue to keep increasing your footprint and getting out. So whether that's in the malls or whether that's, you know, sort of in, in regional areas, but you still need to do those store rollouts. One is of that the other- still a thing though? Why not online? Uh, well, or have you got to you got to try a shoe on? Yes, right. So it's exactly but that. You order you order three, don't you? A size, a size. size. Okay, <laughs> and then, then you return. Then the you other return. Two. That's a good. Yeah, I never thought about it like that. But yeah. um, yeah, absolutely. I think online. You know, I think they've stopped worrying about the penetration online because yeah, there's a lot of people have bad experiences with clothes, especially or footwear. You know, putting them on, you have to try them on. Yeah. You have to do that. And I know even when I when I go get to my snowboarding boots, you have to pay a fifty dollar deposit for them to actually then fit it for you properly. Um, and then it gets taken off the end price when you buy them. But, you know, there's a lot of people that must come in, try the shoe on, try the boot on, have a look, oh, yeah, and then go try and buy it online somewhere mm-hmm. else. And I think that's, you know, but for these guys, that store rollout I think is good. But also then um, we've seen a lot of competition with JD. I don't know if you've been seeing it through the whole sort of the supermarkets and things like that. Yep. Um, there's massive JD stores in Pitt Street now and things like that. So there's a bit of competition in that street footwear kind of thing. So I'd just be a little bit cautious. Happy to behold, it's probably one of the better quality businesses in the retail space. So that's why I think we're both saying hold just on the quality side of things. Mm. Indeed, that is a double hold then for our stock of the day, Accent Group. All right, let's get into those ones as picked by you. The first one being Ramsey Healthcare. It is the largest provider of uh, private healthcare in Australia. Also got operations in the UK. France and Indonesia. However, it's just sold its Malaysian, well, in fact, it's sold its Indonesian hospitals as well yeah. uh, in mm. a partnership with Malaysian conglomerate Syme uh, for about $1.9 billion using those proceeds to pay down debt. So, um, Adam, where does that place Ramsey then go forward? Well, I think it places them in uh, in a good position. I think obviously Ramsey, obviously paying down some debt, I think is is exactly what they need to do. They have been in a, it has been a really bit of a struggle for Ramsey uh, you know, COVID obviously, but then moving forward into elective surgeries, higher cost of living, people potentially are just going to wait to get their hip done or their knee done, you know, those kinds of things. It did pop up the other day, like uh, it just started to pop up. You can see it on that chart on that right-hand side. Now it's consolidated back again. But there's a couple of things. There's certainly, um, they're improving a lot of their rehab emissions. So that's been actually quite good for them. Staffing availability has improved 
which has been able to uh, increase their utilization or capacity over the next coming couple of years. And they've been investing quite heavily into digital investments as well. So that is about circa sort of $70 million a year that they're sort of they're moving in. So I think that makes them potentially look like they could be starting to sort of break even by sort of 2027 and, and net in 2028, albeit a long, long, long way away. But it still does. I think the valuation looks fair. And I think that... Potentially, there could be another takeover bid, fingers crossed, potentially. So I'm going to say it's a buy. I'm going to stay with Ramsey. I think it's the good quality side of it as well. Obviously, it's been hit pretty hard. Um, yeah, so it's a buy from me. Yep. Okay. Mark? Yeah, that, that sale obviously really helps. It's like a 22% reduction in mm. their debt. And debt was always a bit of an issue. It tidies up the business, I think, now. And to Adam's point, it, it makes it a cleaner business to potentially take over. Yeah. Um, the, I think the issues uh, with the previous takeover bid were more so with the French, um, the French business. Um, so, look, if they can continue to tidy it up, it probably becomes a bit of a target. They're a bit of a, they're obviously a little bit of a property play as well, in terms of the the hospitals and things. So, they, but they have. I think the worst is generally behind it. I think the the labour squeeze and the the margin compressions have, have they've largely had now dealt with it. They've reduced their debt um, and and things like that. So it's look, it's yeah, it'd be a buy for me down here. Um, we don't hold it at the moment because we've got you know we quite a decent size allocation to CSL and Ramsey. Mm. Uh, sorry, um, um, Resmed. Resmed. So, so but look, it'd be else, yeah, yeah, no. But I mean, we we'd be look, we'd pop, you know, if we were rolling out of those, we'd want to keep our healthcare um, sector allocation around the same. This would be one of the one of the top ones on the list to roll into, I think. Um, and I, and I, but I don't really see it having a catalyst until it probably reports next. So we, we sort of feel like we can be a little bit patient on that. Patient, but a buy nonetheless. But yeah, absolutely. With for fresh money, if you're not, if you're not uh, into ResMed or, or CSL. All right, well, there we go. We started uh, positively there with a double buy for Ramsey Healthcare. All right, now let's uh, check in on an ETF, uh, this one chosen by David. It is the BetaShares Energy Transition Metals ETF, XMET. And uh, look, it gives you exposure to global producers of copper, lithium, nickel, cobalt, graphite, manganese, silver, rare earths, the whole gamut, in fact. So I guess the question is, Mark, is that the way to play it? Or should you be a little more targeted uh, if you want to get into that space? That said, of course, we have seen a lot of those metals under significant pressure recently. Yeah, look, this thing is is lion's share, well, 30% is copper, it's about 20% lithium. Um, Nickel, rare earths, gold and silver make up around the 10 to 11% mark as well. So, um, and look, nickel uh, nickel and lithium have obviously copped, and copper have copped a bit of a hiding lately. So you obviously can see, um, you know, see there basically it's, it's headed lower. Uh, I don't, don't think that that's chart's the, right. That's not the chart. No. no so, um, so I might get rid of that chart because it certainly doesn't reflect No, no it's more around the $7 yeah, mark. It's 97 Yeah, so we've dropped from 880 to about $7 over the last, or probably over the last sort of four months or so. But um, I would dare say the lion's share, that's probably the lithium and, the, and, and nickel particularly. But um, yeah. 
Gold and silver, obviously, I mean, 20% allocation there. Um, I think that's they're probably going to go fairly well if we have peaked in rates, which it looks like with those numbers softening. So that'll provide a bit of a buffer. I can't really see these, you know, these lithium prices have been smacked. It seems to me to be really overdone. Copper as well. Um, you know, you've got, you've got really some of the world's biggest mines maturing over the next couple of years. And and that's going to that's going to basically prove to be a massive supply gap, and we need a lot of copper. So, it's and where you're getting your copper exposure is mainly it's about twenty percent Aussie and fifteen percent US. But if you don't want to own BHP, you don't really have a lot of options for copper mm. um, realistically in Australia. So these um, well, it's sapphire. Uh, it, good options, I, I think. <laughs> I get what I mean. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, there's some really good Southern Copper and Freeport Memorial and those guys who are also one of the biggest gold producers in the world. You're getting exposure to those really high quality companies with that are a bit more BHP size and and, um, and characteristics. So, um, yeah, I think this is I think this is a pretty good buy. If you don't want to be targeted, you haven't got time to be getting across at all. Um, there are other alternatives um, in the you know in the market as well. But I do like the the heavy weighting to um, copper and the gold and silver part of it as well. Um, and and the rare earths, which and the rare earths companies are, are not China, um, not China centric. So no. they you know, if we, we there's been a long history of China shutting down rare earths at the drop of a drop of a hat. Well, um, and then you've got obviously U.S. moves to try and encourage you know exactly. production elsewhere, particularly with with Australia. Yeah, yeah. So no, yeah, I think this is a buy. It might be a rocky ride though. Yeah. Um, but I think if you uh, it gives. Pretty good diversified exposure um, of, a, of a thematic that's going to be, you know, years long, not rather than looking it over the next few months. Yeah. Okay. Um, Adam, so should you buy a basket? Yeah. Look, diversification absolutely ticks the box. Um, you know, for there, you, you, as Mark rightly pointed out, you've got Australian exposure, you've got US exposure, Chile exposure, and then from there, you you know, you don't have to pick. You've got a basket of goods, especially in there. I really like Linus, Antofagasta. Freeport, um, these are really great businesses that are very good at what they do and that basket's been put together. So for diversification, yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that you know you could definitely do. Certainly for people that have been investing in commodities and especially uh, over the sort of year to date has been a tough one. The only mm. thing that's actually done anything is iron ore. That's up about 11% for the year to date. Coal uh, is up 1%. And then basically everything else is getting absolutely tanned all the way down to spodumene for lithium down 74%. So um, it's been a tough market for commodities. And if you haven't been in basically BHP um, the, or Rio, Fortescue, your portfolio mm. is down. Mm. And I looked at PLS's short position yesterday. 18% of the company is shorted at the moment. I think it's about the most shorted. Isn't it, it is the yeah. most shorted. and. Um, that yeah, it's either it's got to pop one way or another. Mm. Um, obviously, we're hopefully popping onto the upside as shorters start to cover. But yeah, with a with a commodity down seventy four percent, and you've got eighteen percent of your register on short, it's it's a tough one for um, investors. So getting back to this one, I think yeah, if if you're a new investor wanting to get a, a diversification uh, of a basket of goods, this is probably one way to play it. Mm. So yes, I'm happy with it. That, that short position, they would have to be the buy side of every trade based on every average volume for nearly a month to get out of it. It's um, mm. they're saying it's the futures market is not really indicative of what the spodumene and lithium prices are doing, so it's being used as a um, 
as a um, property, a property on short issue. on, on yeah, Lithium. Yeah, so, yeah. Because it's the only pure play. Yeah. Um, but that, that could be a, a spectacular oh. um, turnaround Rally. with the... Um, yeah. we, saw, we saw them over the, this week and I was impressed. I was really impressed. Three billion sitting in cash. You got a billion dollars that they've earmarked for some other projects. Mm. The market's probably a little bit undecided about that whole, um, uh, are we going to spread our wings too far? They probably, the market wants them to concentrate on one of their projects, which, which is one of the best in the world. So, but yeah, I, I was really impressed. So, so further than that then, you're looking to buy lithium stocks now, yeah. the, the major producers. Yeah, IGO and PLS are the two ones that we're buying and we're still wrong on. Um, but yeah, definitely, I think, they're the but green bushes for IGO is the lowest cost producer globally. Like they are the best, and then PLS has just got one of the best projects in in the world, and will be uh, up and running. And they've got deals with POSCO, all of those kinds of things. It was very impressive listening to them the other day. Both of those names are in XMED as well. There too, you go. So. Yep. Okay. All right. That is another double buy then. The XMED ETF. All right, let's move on to IPD, not to be confused with the ticket code, it is IPG. And um, this one picked by Ralph asking, can I get an opinion on IPG as it has a very strong set of numbers? It is a distributor of electrical infrastructure products, projects, uh, products I should say, growing revenue share from data center customers. Uh, Also, just uh, recently, I think one part of the NRMA's charging black spots um, public uh, charging rollout uh, in terms of that infrastructure as well. Um, so Adam, what can you tell us about IPD? Uh, I'm going to put my hand up and say I own this stock. Um, I really like it. So uh, And Shores has got a buy on it. We've got a price target of $4.90 on it. We've just reduced it from $5 to $4.90. They did come out uh, a couple of months or maybe a month ago now and upgrade their earnings per share over, over and above what they're already doing. These guys have got an amazing business that have got these customers that have been with them for over 50 years plus, and they've got a diverse range of customers. They are talking about data centers. Data centers are customers formed around 8% of their product revenue from around about 2% a year ago. So they're actually starting to get that growth going forward. And they also do electronic vehicle charging stations as well and putting infrastructure in for that as well. So Mm. this business is very well diversified, got fantastic customers long term. Um, I really like this business. One of the best IPOs in the last sort of two years or so, Bell Potter did this IPO back in 2021 and it has done very well. We've seen some consolidation now, but I think that does give you uh, an opportunity to get in this one. So I'm going to say it's a strong buy. A strong buy. From me. Gee, you guys are on fire today. Well, I mean, we're getting some... T- yeah, w- w- maybe we'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple coming up. Uh, okay, Mark. Well, we've got the trifecta, double, double buy again. Um, absolutely. I, I hadn't heard much about this company. Um, went through the AGM presentation um, and then previously through uh, an annual. And the more I read, the more I really liked it. Uh, yeah. there's, I mean, they're in... The rollout of charging stations, they're in the rollout of high and low voltage um, industrial um, infrastructure for industrial estates for yep. for electricity um, and you know and obviously the data centres as well, which is expected. To, I mean the data centre market is expected to you know to 
basically go up by about 40 odd percent. When Microsoft turns around and says we're going to spend five billion dollars in Australia mm. on, on data centers, yeah. that, that's exactly what's going to happen. And, and electricity is a big thing about that. Like NVIDIA, the, there was an interesting stat, the 1.5 million H100 or H200 chips, uh, GPUs that they're putting out, apparently they suck about as much electricity as a, a small nation a year um, or thereabouts. It's wow. unbelievable, the power. And they're actually, not only is there a shortage of supply, they're not allowed to sell into China and all these other things. Data centers are just saying no because they just they cannot get the power into mm. the place. To right. um, so they you know so that obviously then these guys are going to be uh, going to be needed to put in put in that infrastructure basically. Mm. Um, three super solid areas of growth that is definitely going to be needed. Um, it's absolutely yeah, abs- I, absolutely a buy for me. Um, I'm just sad I I didn't spot it earlier to be brutally honest. Yeah. Um, well, it has come off just recently, in yeah. fact. So that is obviously presenting a buying opportunity, right? Yeah. Now. So it hit yeah. it hit four dollars ninety, or I'm going to say five dollars a couple of times, and I think we had sort of a triple top, which is fairly mm. negative for a stock, or, or mm. and and it it couldn't punch through that sort of five dollars. So there was that sort of pullback and some consolidation there. And it does. It is a lighter volume stock, so you just got to be a little bit careful there. But um, overall, um, management, I just can't say enough of good, good things well, about them. They're... There is. It'd be one of the only IPO charts of an IPO yeah. in the last two years yeah. that looks as beautiful as, yeah. as as it does. Like all right, that is a <laughs> all right. Calling it a no, 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 no. It is a rip roaring <laughs> buy then. Fist thumping buy, wasn't yes, it? Yeah. Table thumping. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, maybe we're going to suddenly ground to a halt with this one. We'll yes, see. we will. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This one is High Peak Royalties. It's picked by Andrew. He's asking, sounds interesting, but no one else seems to be interested. There's probably a reason for that. Uh, it is, uh, formerly Torrens Energy, it's um, the country's uh, oil and gas royalty company, uh, royalties for, what, 20 oil and gas permits in Australia, over 2,000 wells in the US, and an operator of four geothermal permit interests at the same time. I've got to say, I've never come across this one before. Mark, what are your thoughts? Uh, 11 mil market cap, super thin. Um, I don't, I can't understand why it's listed, to be brutally honest. Um, screams of lobster pot, and you just end up being stuck in it. Um, I, yeah, they, <laughs> they did a share buyback of 61,000. Um, Dollars. I, yeah, dollars. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I don't see any reason to be in this at, at all. To be honest, it's not a, not a blight on the business necessarily, but it's not a, um, I, I, the amount of money they must be spending on being listed has got to be a massive chunk of their costs, I would have thought, because yeah. um, they're not making a huge amount of money when you don't have to on a sort of a 10 and a half mil market cap. So does, it's does a, it's a question of why it's listed. I don't, maybe they, I I would have thought this would be the sort of thing that you're going to find private funding for and, mm. and things like that. And um, it's, yeah, I, it would be for capital raising, I assume, but I yeah, I, I wouldn't touch this. Um, mm. Not, as I said, not a, not a blight on the business, but it's definitely, it's micro, micro, micro cap. All right, well, uh, to, uh, to our viewers' question, uh, no one seems to be interested. 
but yeah. we know why now, don't we, really? Well, I mean, we did, I did try and find some research and I did try and find, you know, we get access to a lot of research around the town. So, you know, usually there's somebody might want to cover this. So there's basically no interest as far as that, the research side of things. It is very liquid. It doesn't trade and that, that chart is exactly right as far as those, those straight lines, meaning it just doesn't trade for the day or is holding the price. Um, look, the September, I can only look from the quarterly, which is out in October. The quarterly, they received $346 in, in, in positive cash receipts, uh, as well as then US royalties of $161,000. So the, the cash balance is about $1.4 million. Again, there's a real red flag there as far mm. as you've only got $1.4 million. Yes, you've got some cash coming in, but that does seem that they will need to raise some more equity or sorry, more cash somewhere down the line but yeah and they've had a sort of small buyback i mean the only other royalty business that's on the market is DRR. Uh, drr yeah um that's an iron ore royalty business and absolutely you'd own that because of the royalties that they're receiving from iron ore which is massive compared to potentially oil and gas it'd be a no from me i think you'd go farther when you say avoid i'll say avoid yeah yes well, from both of you yes. yes all right we'll talk about contrast from the smallest <laughs> to, to the, the biggest. biggest. <laughs> yeah, we're going into BHP. All right, look, we have mentioned this, obviously, given that talk about metals and copper in particular, but as you also alluded to, iron ore, well, it touched, what, 130 yep. overnight, yep. which has been quite confounding, hasn't it? Particularly it given has. what we're seeing out of China. So, um, and I guess the most recent focus for uh, BHP has been with its uh, potash project, which is ramping up. Uh, the second stage been approved yep so adam what's the outlook then well yeah obviously iron ore is the big thing and you know if so run with me on this one if bhp had when when we were down at 6800 when we last looked at when we were down at 6400 bhp was at 33 dollars right but bhp has held up mm. and how 10 percent of our index has held up our index when we're at 6,800, right? When you then go back and look at all of the other stocks in the top 100 that were when we were at 6,400, 90% of those stocks are now lower than where they were when it was at 6,400. So in other words, BHP has Mm. basically held up our index, Mm. right? And that is only because of iron ore and the strength of iron ore that's gone through. So iron ore absolutely uh, seems to be defying gravity here. We can't work out why you say China's growth this, but then, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of perplexing why this is, this is holding up, but it's a fantastic chart. So, Overall, um, yes, potash, uh, the, the Janssen, Janssen uh, stage two has been approved. That's really going to start to move forward. And obviously, BHP is moving forward with this potash. You know, that's, that's their, their growth engine for the next 20 years. Um, I think I know overall, as we get more of these markets starting to come through, it, it might soften a little bit, but BHP is going to pretty much hold. I think BHP is a buy. I've got it in most of my clients' portfolios, albeit it hasn't done a lot, but it's just held up really nicely. And that means some of the portfolios have been doing okay compared to the rest of the market. So I'm going to say outperform or a buy. Outperform. Okay. Mark. Um, we actually don't, and it's very rare for us not to hold it. Um, it I'm not, certainly not saying it's a sell, but it's sort of this defiance of gravity and holding up has actually been pretty aggravating for us because we yeah. sold around the $49, $50 mark oh, well, that's quite okay. a while. Yeah, yeah. And, but, but expecting the market to pull back yeah. 
the rest of the market's pulled back. BHP well, has on the basis been, that you thought iron ore would then come off? Uh, I just didn't expect this iron ore rally, realistically. Yeah. Um, I mean, correlations at the moment are just they're the enemy of yeah. <laughs> because it's no, there's nothing really nothing. correlating. Um, it's, look, it's I, I really like the long-term prospects, the potash, um, that uranium deposit copper. as well, and copper, uh, and uh, yeah. So I we're be, we're trying to be patient on this one at the moment. So it'd be it'd be a hold, I guess, for us um, because it has been really defying gravity mm. when everything else has been coming off, um, and probably look to have a look at have a look at it, you know early next year and um, and try and be patient. Look. If we start to get that Goldilocks scenario playing out, we're, we're more than happy to sort of buy back in where we got out. We missed out on, on one dividend, basically, mm. so it hasn't been that big of a deal. We're, we're using mineral resources at the moment as a bit of a proxy for the iron ore part, which obviously the lithium part's hurting it, but, um, but yeah, we're... We, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll probably look to get, I mean, any opportunity on a, on a dip, we will definitely be buying back in um, and, a, and any more clarity on the economic, on the economic outlook, we'll, we'll reassess, mm-hmm. but they're doing all the right things. It's, um, it's very odd for us not to have it on, to, truth be told, but the, um, which way with the higher interest rates and China slowing down, that yeah. they might, uh, they might get dented, but I think it might be the case of what the Magnificent Seven is doing, the, there's a certain amount of safety in those really and those mega caps, and this is our mega cap. Yeah. It's just it's. Um, I think people are very happy. They know the long-term prospects are going to be good, so that's why it's sort of held in there so well. That is BHP. All right. Well, let's uh, round up where we've been for the first half of the show. Our stock of the day. We began, began with that uh, talk of the retail space accent group out with its um, updated results. Uh, Mark saying, look, he's got a hold on it. Uh, impressive return on equity, says, for the past few years. Um, no real concerns there. Also a hold from Adam. Uh, particularly, he's impressed by this uh, rollout of stores that they've got coming 70, 80 to come in the first half as well. Uh, the stocks, as picked by you, Ramsey Healthcare, having just offloaded its Malaysian-Indonesian hospital operations there to pay down debt, which uh, is a big tick from both um Adam also points to improving admission, digital investment. Fair value here. He's got a buy on it, as does Mark, um, saying, you know, Mark's impressed that they managed to tidy up the business. Worse behind it. Now, into the ETF we were looking at is the uh, Beta Shares Energy Metals ETF XMET. Uh, gives you a, a exposure to a raft of uh, global producers um, across the board there in metals. Um, it is a buy from both. Um, and uh, certainly has a heavy weighting, uh, Mark points out, with gold and silver as well, and Adam pointing out the diversification you get from that. To IPD, um, it, uh, Adam owns it. Yep, he's impressed. He's a strong buy. Uh, also a buy from Mark as well. So we did well at the beginning of the show there. Um, and all pointing out there to the big growth potential here, particularly given data centres there and the demand, like the demand going forward. Very different story with our next stock though. Uh, high peak royalties, little known about it for a good reason, it's a tiny company. It is a lobster pot as far as Mark's concerned. Look, it's not essentially an avoid or a no from both. Uh, if you want, it is in the uh, the royalty space. So Adam points out, if you want to go in that space, well, you should be in Deterra, given the advantage it has with uh, iron ore at the moment. And mm. just finally, the BHP, speaking of iron ore, plus of course, exposure to copper and potash. Um, it's a buy from Adam. 
he's looking for it to outperform and a hold there from Mark. In fact, they sold out of it a little earlier. All right, let's uh, catch up with our own portfolio that we're tracking here, picked by our investment committee, the latest episode of that for you to watch. So checking in on the update going into November, 1% was trimmed from MA Financial and added to Challenger. So checking in on its performance, uh, it's up 10.2% on a cumulative return basis since its inception on March the 1st last year. So keep sending your requests coming in. Keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. Well, in fact, we know they're going to be looking at um, Ramsey Healthcare, XMET, and IPD. Uh, all right. Let's uh, take a look at our next group of stocks. And we're going to get into Cons Foods, Nine Entertainment, Credit Corp, Silver Mines, and Perseus Mining. So beginning with Collins Food, Zong wondering if future growth has been priced in and the impact of the macroeconomic factor of the stock's future. So, Adam, um, of course, this is owns or franchises restaurants in the fast food brands, yep. KFC, yep. Taco Bell, Sizzlers. Yep. What are you seeing here? Yeah, so it's an interesting one because obviously we've seen some labour action in uh, the um, who supplies the chicken? Um, Ingham's. Ingham's. We've seen some issues with labour costs and supply uh, going forward. So I still think that that's going to remain elevated for something like a Collins Food Group. Um, so that's something that you you know sort of that cyclical uh, costs that need to go through, and especially high energy and high labour costs going forward. Um, overall, I think that it's an okay business. Um, you know, people people love KFC. So, and especially in summer when you get the cricket, they always sales always goes up when right, there's more the, people the buckets are on your head, putting so their buckets on their head. Yeah. I mean, hey, look, it's so. I think store rollout is going to be an issue for these guys. They're going uh, more overseas. They're going to the Netherlands. They've got some Germany stores as well. So it'd be good to see how that sort of does play out and see where they're going with that. And certainly that Taco Bell is starting to move uh, into Australia as well. So overall, I think it's a hold. I've never been a huge fan of the business, but it actually does all right. Um, I think you just want to get those drawdowns. You can see that in obviously COVID and then, you know, sort of in start of 2022. If you can get those drawdowns, it's probably not a bad time to be looking at the stock. But for me, I think it's a hold um, yeah. overall. All right, here's a uh, curveball, or should I say an in-swinger for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a Zempic. Okay. Yes. We've seen this play out in the States yes. with some of these fast food stocks. Yes. The potential impact it's going to have. Is that an, an issue? To- uh, yeah, well, look, certainly. Yes. Yes, it could be. I mean, Americans spend like $400 billion a year just on snacks alone. So mm. and that's not fast food. That's just snacks, right? So they're a massive consumer. And I think it's over 70% of the population in the US is overweight. Uh, so... I mean, yes, I think here it's it's a, it's potentially a little bit different, but um, overall, um, I think Ozempic um, has really affected the healthcare space so far. It hasn't really gone into something like Collins Foods, um, but it, it seems to be taking over the world. And there's always a polar, polar view on uh, Ozempic and or GLP one, and how is that going to affect these companies? I think the healthcare sector got shot first and then shoot first and then ask questions later. It hasn't rolled into the um, the takeaway stores yet, but look, it certainly can happen. Mm. Okay, Mark. Um, 
Firstly, the azimic thing. I mean, no one can get their hands on it. It's probably why it hasn't filtered through into the fast food. Yeah, yet. pity the so, diabetics are actually needed. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. Yes. So, um, but uh, look, it's not something we really look at. They're, they're a price taker on, in every aspect of the word. Um, for, they can't. They don't really have a control on their saleable on their sale price. They don't really have any control on the input prices. So for us, it's just. I mean, it's an avoid. We just don't like investing in companies that don't have any control over any part of their business. So I mean, considering that, you know, it's obviously very well run. Um, and look, the, and the Azempic thing as well is. I, I did. I tried to do a bit of research on because there's always this assumption that it's. You know, people from low socioeconomic that eat fast food. It's actually the stats are the opposite. It's mm. more, um, it's more like forty-seven uh, percent of people in a higher income bracket versus like thirty-seven percent uh, from a lower income bracket. So they're the people that will be able to afford a Zempic. And so that, that, that's if you if you're off if you're not a diabetic because I got a client that's a diabetic and uh, is taking uh, a Zempic as well. I said, oh, it must be really expensive for you because. If you're not a diabetic and it's off script, mm. it's about $15,000 a year yeah. to get this, right? So that definitely cuts out a lot of that lower end market. Mm. But if you are a diabetic and it's on the PBS, it's $360 yep. a year. But that's about, I mean, sure. based on what they're projecting sure. in sales, yep. diabetics will be the small part of their part market. Of exactly right. Like eventually it'll be... Probably be rich house ones would be their major market. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, moving on. Well, yeah. Okay, <laughs> we don't say that offend anybody. That is an avoid then <laughs> from Mark. Okay, uh, let's get into nine entertainment. So this one picked by Martin. Uh, look, radio, TV, newspapers, digital. It has the gamut now. Uh, revenue came off about twelve percent of the past results. Um, cost slightly down. Uh, of course, paying more for things like rugby league and cricket, I guess that's a point going forward as well. Um, and Mark, I guess you look at uh, spending, ad spending at the moment, I mean, is it likely mm. to collapse further, do you think? Uh, look, I, I think these guys are, there's a couple of companies at the moment um, that, have, that have really transformed, obviously, and Nine Entertainment and Media, like that cross-platform, it's not just, it's still a lion's share, a half or something, um, is no, is Channel Nine. However, their their ability to cross integrate across all platforms, radio, TV, um, obviously their streaming services, they've got digital as well, just means that they can they can tailor packages, and obviously everyone gets a piece of the pie. Whereas I think in the past, you know, if you go into a TV campaign, you're probably taking from your budget in, in you know in um, in your print or in your radio, so now mm. that now that they can basically get a more effective solution across all platforms for their customers, I don't know whether they because there's not really anyone else that's got this spread. So whether I think these guys will weather the downturn in um, advertising budgets better than better than most. If 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 anything, they may even pick it up because they'll be able to put together something that gives the uh, gives businesses. Um, a one-stop shop, which would have economies of scale. So it's, you know, it's the same as something like Elders, for instance. It just, it, you see a lot of analysts will go, oh, live cattle prices are down, sell Elders. It's like that business is so not that Correct. based on that anymore. It's yeah. got eight business divisions and yeah. is as smooth that as it's earnings. So, and I think Nine Entertainment's in that similar ilk where this is a much higher quality business and it's sort of tarred with the brush, you know, of the past, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say this would be one, if we do start to see economic weakness or a shallow recession, 
this will probably get hit really hard on, and, and it will be a roaring buy at that stage because it will do far better than the market gives it credit for. Its peers probably won't, I wouldn't have thought, because I, they don't have this... They don't have this sort of horizontal integration that, that the rest of their competitors do, mm. and I think they'll end up locking down um, locking down uh, customers during that um, during that period. So for now, it, it would be a hold. I think it's about fairly priced, to be honest, and I don't really see it going anywhere. But definitely buy on weakness with this one. Yep. Okay. If that recession comes to be. Um, all right, Adam. TV ad weakness has been its issue. Yep. Forty uh, percent of its revenue is comes from TV. Right, so there's nearly fifty percent of your business is coming from that TV market. So that that's where you've got to see. But you know, as Mark rightly pointed out, that if there is a recession, TV ad or ad spending is marketing is one of the first things to get chopped out of any budget because they just they just sort of lop it off. Um, overall, I've never been a fan of the media communications businesses. I don't invest in them, uh, so I'm going to say an avoid. Um, but I do like the thesis that if this thing does get hit, then they are the best because they've got Domain, Stan, Nine, AFR, SMH, Radio, yeah, massive uh, businesses there that can all combine to do quite well and all got great um, business in themselves. So, yep. I, yeah, I, I'm just not a fan of the communication space. Fair enough. All right, uh, let's move on to Credit Corp. And uh, this one picked by Anthony purchases and collects uh, debt in Australia, New Zealand, US, also provides some online uh, consumer finance to purchase volumes and pricing strengthened most recently, but delinquency rates moved high. Its, its um, share price did fall off the cliff off the back sure of its did. last results. Sure did. Adam? So, you know, overall, you think that this business would actually do well in tough times. Mm. People can't pay their debt. These guys come in and they buy cents in the dollar on that debt, and then they turn that around and they can get 100% or 98% of, of that back. But what the reason, and I've always been a fan of this business, uh, but the reason why it did fall and had such a hard fall, it was that it, it, it's the US part of the business uh, is, is improving its prices, but they still, with the delinquencies, they still couldn't get all that money back. So. Whether they've got different laws in the US or whether they've got something else that we sort of don't understand, it's just that US business that has really, really hurt them. So um, overall, I think, yeah, I, I really like this business, but they, they've gone into some, you know, here in Australia, they're very, very good at what they do. They, they know their book, they understand what's happening and they can really sort of work that and people potentially pay their debts back. In the US, it hasn't been that case. And they're sort of going in with potentially an Australian mentality and it's just not working. So for me, it's a hold. I've got still clients in this one. It's hard to get out at these levels because we're back down to where COVID prices were. And, you know, the, the, the metrics actually sounds like it's going to be okay for this business, but it's still trying to uh, struggle to convert. So it'll be a hold mm. or a neutral from me. Okay, Mark. Um, sell. Um, run for the hills, I think. Um, they've expanded into a market <laughs> right. they don't really understand, yeah. um, as you said, um, that has pretty different laws and they've tried to probably shoehorn their own business model into it. Yeah. Um, US credit card debt cracked a trillion dollars uh, in the last quarter. And I think the debt laws, are, uh, it doesn't follow you as badly as it follows you in Australia. Um, I mean, their, their mortgages are completely different. It's with the house rather than, the, you know, sticking to the person. Yeah. Um, and it might affect your ability to, to get a loan going forward. But, you know, you're not saddled with that debt and getting bankrupted. So um, it's just a really unfortunate timing, I suppose, because when delinquency rates, 
they're usually fairly low, but when they happen, they all happen in one tight little period, mm. and then they go back to basically being flat near, near on flat again. So, it yeah, and they've yeah new and underperforming business in a market they're not particularly familiar with. I think they're they're a definite avoid in, um, for until we get sort of a bit of a um, the all clear signal, um, yeah, with. Um, with the global economies realistically because um, that US can get very nasty very quickly. It's yeah. one of the steepest increases. I've got a chart here. Um, and then it peaked in uh, basically around the 2008 and then credit card balances have fell dramatically. So then they're obviously not going to get new business out of that. So mm-hmm. it could be, could be a couple of years before this one um, goes back to that sweet spot where you know, there's a little bit of pressure and they get to buy those debts at a cheap level. But if there's delinquencies, it's obviously their, their money's gone. So. Yeah. Okay. So that is a hard sell. That's yeah. a hard sell for me. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's get back into the mining sector. Silver Mines, uh, picked by Zorin, does, as it says on the label, um, <laughs> it's, a, it's silver exploration uh, projects in uh, New South Wales, I guess. You look at the price of silver, look as a bit of the poor cousin to gold, of course, but it is, it is um, mm. you know, following hard on its heels. Uh, it's not a poor cousin in terms of industrial use. No, um, you're right. You know, it, and there's increasing demand for it for solar, um, semiconductors, etc. Um, Gold-silver ratio is currently probably towards its lowest point it's been in over a decade as well. Uh, and silver tends to play really hard catch up um, when when both of them rally. They, they usually do. run rally concurrently. I mean, that's our preferred um, sort of exposure to gold is to be in silver instead. Um, but look, they, these guys they're a long way off. Um, they're a long way off production. But you're lacking in options in Australia really for yeah. silver mining. So we, I mean, we use just a physical gold. Uh, physical silver ETF for our silver exposure um, because we don't want that um, project exposure um, as it stands at the moment. um, But yeah, it's it's got its approvals. Um, I think the mine development looking to start in about a year. So this is kind of in that orphan phase where it'll probably be a number of cap raises and then you've got it. So I'd be probably flagging this to be having a look at it once. Um, it so too a, early at this point. I think it's it's too early for me at the moment. I think yeah. you can. I think you can probably if you're looking for um, a rise in the silver price. I think you'd, it's just easier to play the physical um, and not have to deal with if there's a if there's a development delay or if something happens. Yeah. Um, silver can go up and this can not go up not with it. Go and you get very yeah. frustrated. So, but look, it's got a really good asset. I think, but just probably um, probably have a look at it or, or go into it in small scale in a year's time, sort of thing. So, okay, Adam. Yeah, I, look for me, it would be an avoid. I, it's too well. It, one, it's an exploration. They've got two drill rigs going at the moment. Um, some of the results that came out on the of the quarterly was 162 meters at 44 grams a ton per silver. It's actually not too bad, and it's a decent hole. Um, they've got a new manager, managing director coming in in uh, January next year, 2024. So. I don't know anything about uh, Jonathan. So, yeah, you'd hope that that is a good move for the business. But overall, um, yeah, it's not a place that I would play in that silver space. So, no, it's a no from me. Okay. So, would you be playing in the gold space then, Adam? Because our next stock is Perseus. Uh, It is, uh, well, it's in West Africa, two gold mines there. Uh, Solid 
September quarter production. Yeah. Um, costs were significantly lower at the same time. On track to meet half guidance there. Free cash flow better than expected. Zero debt. All sounds pretty good, doesn't Picking it? boxes. It does. But you're about to say. Well, yeah, again, uh, politi- geopolitical issues. Yeah. West Africa, I've been there before and I've got burnt and I will never do it again. So I'm very much aware that I would like to be in the jurisdictions of Australia or America or Canada. Uh, so that that is for one thing. All in sustaining costs, and in other words, how much does it cost them to get out of the ground is $937. Or in fact, if you, t- if you add the dividend or the, the, the margin on top of that, it's $999. And the Aussie gold price is, well, so two, I don't know, actually, I should know that someone's gonna correct me on it, but um, what's, uh, so yeah, so there's, there's a bit of, there's a bit of uh, fat there that as they're producing, they produced 132,000 ounces uh, in the last quarter. So it's actually quite good, no debt, like as you say. So um, I, th- I think it looks- Three. So was it 3,000? Three, three, it's over three, yeah. I thought it was two eight, but yeah, so. Um, so yeah, so it, you know, it's costing you a thousand bucks to produce an ounce and you're selling it for three, uh, some good margin there as well. I'm just worried about the geopolitical side and I have to stick to my rules. I don't invest in West Africa or the Congo or any DRC, anything around there. Uh, so for me, if you hold it, metrics look good, everything looks good. So I'd say it's a hold, but I won't invest in that space. Yeah, that reminds me of, because I spent a lot of time in Africa, it said, don't fly with anything with Africa or Congo in the name. Right. And don't buy anything Sorry. with Africa or Congo in the name. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, I've just been burnt too many times and we just don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And that's yeah. the problem. Uh, so what, what is your preferred golf play then? So Newmont, obviously with the takeover of Newcrest, Northern Star is also very good and Evolution. They'll be the sort of top three. Um, I think Newmont's been pushed around a little bit at the moment with sort of uh, what's going over. But uh, yeah, Northern Star, Evolution in my top two. Yep. Okay. Mark? Uh, yeah, I can't really add much more to what Adam said, to be honest. It's just bad geo, um, geographical location, essentially. Um, I mean, if just you've got the, that kind of risk, then take it. Like, yeah. I, I get it. Like, people love that kind of stuff. If, like, as long as you're aware of the risk. I mean, look, this, is, this is in Australia, it's probably three times the price. Yeah. So it, yeah, it, the because of that safety. Everything's so, great. Um, a really good tip for viewers is um, if you just go and Google uh, geopolitical rankings and you put in the countries, um, IMF, oh, there's a number of government, uh, global government um, agencies that have um, have really good rankings on yeah. because, look, it's, and they'll go through, you know, economics, labour costs and all sorts of things. That's the first thing we ever do when we when we go into looking at anything like this. Um, West Africa is generally a little bit more volatile than East Africa. Um, but it's, you know, it's pretty hard to keep an eye on the, situ- on the situations and coups can happen and things. So, if, yeah, they are making a huge margin unless they start to promise to um, to basically return some of the cash to shareholders, and, and you actually start to get to bank some of some of that, you know, surplus cash, um, you you probably will find better ways to play this. Um, I mean, we don't do gold anyway. Um, it's yeah, we we don't. You like do silver. Yeah, we don't. Well, we don't really want to. It's a it's a belief system, in our opinion, and we want industrial use where there's a supply demand curve, which is a little bit more controllable. So, um, but yeah, so this is. I mean, it's off our list for a number of reasons overall. Yep. Um, but I can see where people would go. Wow, 
you know, this, these guys are making a thousand US of, you know, mm. an ounce. Um, they've got all this cash, but I mean, you can wake up tomorrow and it could be gone. Yep. So, so um, and it's happened before. And it has happened before. And it has yeah, happened yeah. before. So it's, it's not, not like we're, we're talking about stuff mm. that hasn't happened. It has happened yeah. many a time. So just, just, so just be aware of been burnt. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, if you were looking to get any gold, would you agree that go to the top producers? Don't cover it. Not interested. Not interested. Yeah. Not interested at all. Adam, any interest in the explorers at this point? Uh, in the gold space? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a tough, it's a really tough market. Um, I, I think if you were going to look at gold explorers, no. Copper explorers? Yes. Right. There's some really good ones in there. Cooper Metals had, had, had a hold the other day, 70 metres at 2% copper. Like, oh, Lord. It's a company maker, right? I own stock in that one as well. I'll be hand up. But that that kind of stuff, I think you'd be CPM is the stock code. Um, yeah, that that's the kind of thing I'd be looking at exploration instead of gold. I think that's, yeah. All right, and, yeah, and, yeah, and a lot of them, are, it's a byproduct. Copper and gold, are yes. by, so yes. you can get you can get ones with a mix. So yep. you, yeah. you just be wary of that as well if you want to try and play both. All right, well, there's a bonus then from uh, Adam Cooper Metals in the copper space. All right, so let's uh, sum it up just as far as we've been for the second half of the show. There we began with Collins Food. Um, yeah, I'm saying it's an okay business. Uh, Stall rollout potentially an issue into Europe. There, he's got a hold on it. Yeah, Mark's just not interested, given it's a price taker, so it's an avoid from him. Nine Entertainment, uh, Mark talking about that good diversification, smooths out those earnings. Although if a recession hits, that's potentially a buying opportunity. Uh, other than that, it's a hold. Whereas Adam, he's not interested, it's an avoid, uh, particularly pointing that ad weakness out of its TV business. Uh, Credit Corp, um, yeah, a little more definitive here. Look, it is a hold from Adam. Delinquency is clearly a problem in the US there. Mark, though, a hard sell. said so <laughs> essentially that expansion into the States has been a big mistake for them. Uh, silver mines there, Mark, we were hearing, does, he does prefer silver to gold in terms of playing uh, essentially gold, but he'd be going for an ETF, not silver mines, too early. And it's an avoid there from Adam. Um, and just as far as Perseus mining in the gold space there, uh, both talking about that geopolitical risk, given it is in West Africa. Adam's preferred play would be in the large producers there locally, uh, Northern Star, Evolution. Um, Mark, they're talking about, look, it does have huge margins, but he's simply not interested in those gold producers, regardless of where they are. All right, that is the show for this Friday. So thanks to our guests, Adam, Sean Partners. Great to be here. Good to see you. And Mark from MPC Markets. Cheers, mate. All right. Uh, any stock you'd like us to cover, go to osbiz.co forward slash callpicks or tweet us at osbiztv. Stay with us. The Pulse is up next. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.